Threads of Time, Chapter 14, The Accident. I had just started my shift on a Tuesday morning in June when the manager hurried up to me, waited for me to finish handing the customers change, and ushered me back to his office. I thought it, I might be in trouble, but his face looked more frantic than anything else. Abby, he said, his face flushed. I don't know how to tell you this, so I'm just going to cut right to the chase. The hospital just called. Your dad, well, he was in an accident. Stunned, I stared at the manager for a moment, shaking my head in disbelief. What? The words caught in my throat and I choked them back. I felt like I was floating in a trance. The world was moving around me, even as I stood there. Abby. I blinked, looked at him as if I had just awakened there at that moment. Willow Glen General, he said. You need to go. Right now. I tossed my hat and apron on some empty potato boxes which were lining one wall, clocked out, and rushed out into the bright afternoon day. The cheerful brilliance of the sun burning high in the clear blue sky. These things seemed to mock me as I clumsily retrieved my car keys from my pocket and then searched the parking spaces for the minivan. Leaping inside, I fumbled with my keys, dropping them on the floorboard. I retrieved them and with a shaking hand, somehow jammed the key into the ignition. I cranked the engine, my heart pounding in my throat, my mouth dry, eyes already screaming tears. I drove too fast to the north side of town where the hospital sat like a big white box. Driving round to the back, I found the red emergency sign and pulled up to the doors. I did have the presence of mind to shut off the engine before extricating myself from the chair, from the car and darting through their sliding doors. A nurse at the desk was already on her feet, heading toward me quickly. There were three or four people in the waiting area who were leafing half-heartedly through magazines or sitting with hands on their laps. Everybody looked up when I came in, taking notice, I'm sure, of the alarmed look on my face. You must be Abby, the lady said. Yes. The desk nurse came around and put a hand on my back. She led me to a chair, waited for me to sit down, and then moved to a magazine on the chair next to me so that she could sit as well. She spoke in soft, hushed tones. Abby, your father has been in a car accident. He's in surgery right now, and the doctors are attending to him. Where? Where is he? The nurse's eyes flicked away, then back to me. He's in surgery, she repeated, which sounded like a pretty dumb answer to me. You told me that. I knew he's in surgery, but where specifically? What room? I need to see my dad. As if my thoughts had been telegraphed onto my face, the lady patted my hands like I was a child and said, We have our best doctors and nurses working on him. They're going to do all they can. As soon as I know something, I bolted up, almost slamming into her and rushed toward the doors, swinging them open almost violently. Behind me, the nurse protested for me to come back, to just sit and wait and basically do nothing, all while my dad bled in some other room. Dad! I yelled once before realizing that if it was as bad as I thought it might be he wouldn't hear me anyways I could feel the desk lady coming up behind me so I moved on started searching for him the rooms here were not hidden behind closed doors but by drawn white curtains with mesh tops I gazed beneath them looking for feet but I didn't really need to do that because the only commotion I heard in the area was coming from the other end I hastened on targeting the end of the hall even as a nurse popped out from behind one of the curtains Ma'am, she said. Ma'am, can I? I brushed by her, hustling for the end of the hall. The hallway could have been 
only about 30 yards or so max, but it felt like a mile, like a marathon. Well, at least my heart was beating like I had just run a marathon. I noticed four rooms with doors on the other end of the hallway. The, the sounds seemed to be issuing from one of these. All four doors were closed, but it didn't take much to recognize which door my dad might be behind. Before I could be stopped by my health professional pursuers, I grabbed the handle and yanked it open. Throwing open the door, I stood dazedly staring at the scene before me. Surgeons were huddled around a table upon which my father lay, flat on his back, his feet hanging off the end like he was on a summer float trip. Gleaming utensils winked at me from beneath a light that burned overhead and brought the grisly scene beneath into stark relief, bathing everything in a honey glow. My dad's clothes had been cut away like an alien that had peeled away its outer layer, and the linens were stained with blood. This I could only see in flashes because other doctors, or assistants at least, darted in and out of my vision frantically, some with tubes of liquid and others with a variety of implements that would supposedly help save my father's life. My dad lay motionless, face upturned toward the ceiling, his eye closed. One hand dangled over the edge of the table, lifeless and limp. Dad! I screamed, bursting into tears. Dad! Dad! I felt a hand on my shoulder. Even as half of the doctors turned in my direction, dressed in their green scrubs and masked faces, they looked like foreign and impersonal, hiding behind a facade. Unreadable. Come on now. It was the nurse that had followed me to the room. She was joined almost immediately by another, and each took a side, guiding me back toward the waiting room. He's in good hands. Like the Allstate commercial. He's in good hands. Empty platitudes to my ears, not because I didn't think that these people didn't care about saving my dad's life, but because I didn't believe the confidence with which they spoke was genuine. How did they know if they could save him or not? I recalled the beeping of machines and the frantic attendants. I had thought that then it was way too much commotion for anything but extreme cases. I knew with deep conviction that my father was fighting for his life. He's in good hands. Hadn't the minister at my mother's funeral said something similar? Something like, she's in God's hands now? As if she had not been in his hands the whole time she had been living, like God had only cared to scoop her up when she had died. Bitter thoughts, shared by many others who had trudged through a similar dark valley. And like I suspected of them, grief colored my thoughts about the Almighty, at least temporarily. I wept, tears spattering against the floor as one of the nurses patted my back gently as if I was a baby or a puppy. The other one had an arm around me like they were a lifelong friend. I stared at the linoleum beneath my feet. It was as if the floor was just floating along, my vision blurry. I felt myself slipping away slowly into shock, becoming distant somehow. I wanted to rush back to the room to embrace my dad before he was gone to tell him I loved him and please, please, please don't go but I couldn't help him in any way, and part of me knew that my presence in that room would only minimize his chances. I needed to let the doctors do what they did best, hoping that they might save my father's life. Back in the waiting room, I managed to mitigate my hysteria and brought my crying down to just sniffles. What happened? I finally managed. The nurse looked at me with great solemnity, her eyes revealing honest compassion. There was a car accident. 
Your dad was apparently on the side of the road. He had some kind of car trouble. A semi, she examined me, wondering how deep she should go. She took a deep breath, pursed her lips, then opened them again. A semi plowed into his car and knocked the car into him. He went down into a ravine and hit a tree. From what I understand, he had several severe head trauma from his collision with the tree, not to mention a broken leg and damage to his chest. The force was pretty violent. Thankfully, the ambulance arrived quickly to attend to him. I could hardly believe the words coming from her lips. Who survived things like that? I wanted to hope that the crash had been less severe, that maybe everyone was overreacting, that he'd be okay. But hearing the nurse vocalize just what had happened allowed only despair, not hope, to flood into my heart. I didn't ask any more questions because I wasn't sure if I really wanted to know the answers, not right at that moment. I meandered over to a chair in the corner of the room. The TV droned on about some summer blockbuster that everybody was excited about. A simple reminder of normal, everyday life, one that I knew so well at one time and now seems strangely detached from. Things like watching movies and going to the lake and boys and friends and college and everything else seemed so trivial at that moment. I had been sitting there quietly for perhaps an hour when one of the doctors came out from the emergency room, pushing open the door and peeling his cap off. He scanned the room until our eyes met and his mouth sat in a grim line. His eyes showed defeat, and though I had been scared and anxious the whole time, I had been waiting. All the fear and anxiety melted away in a moment, and I felt something unlock inside of me. The antithesis of relief, a deep and startling sadness released itself within me as someone pushing against a heavy object might, in exhaustion, finally relax their hold and allow that object to crush them. Everything I needed to know was in that doctor's eyes, his body language, the tilt of his head. Tears poured out of my eyes like rivulets of rain across the window pane. Then I closed my eyes, sat down hard on the chair, and waited for the doctor to cross the room and justify my sorrows.